that song, you know how we get to hear certain things, you know, tis the season, it's the Christmas season, you know, people say things like Jesus is the reason for the season, which is true, but we have to get in our minds that there is something God does with psalms and hymns and so forth. Scripture actually bears it out, and I want you to listen to this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Now, teaching and admonishing. Think about that. One another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Isn't that cool? So we say, oh, we're just singing a song or we're listening to a song. If you listen to the words of God that are in that song, can they admonish you? Oh, yeah, most definitely. In fact, a lot of times we receive things in songs better than we do when people are talking to us sometimes because we remember the song and there's a remembrance that goes along with the song. So, but psalms, songs, well, all those things. And it says, and sing with grace in your heart. So what's grace, guys? Is it God doing the work? Let, let the work of God take place in your heart as you listen to these songs and let them admonish you. So yeah, we've heard these songs over and over again at Christmas time, whatever. But it's just like my wife and I, when we were in religion, certain things that they used to sing all the time. And, and we got to the point after we came over to the truth, we said, oh man, because you know, it just brings back memories of the bad stuff that we learned in religion. But what's happening now? Everything has changed. Some of the, all those things that they used to sing and have their meaning to it, now there's a new meaning for us. And so now those songs don't bring back a memory of something that was bad. They bring back the memory of something that was good. Because God admonishes us in that song, and we have a different thought and a different mindset concerning the things of God. Isn't that kind of cool? So we can listen to these songs now, and guess what happens? They admonish us. Things that happen in that song, things that come forth. And man, we have people that are talented that can sing a lot of good things, you know. Since we don't have a choir or anything, we just listen to it on the TV, but it's great. It's great to let the Word of God admonish you in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So don't think of it as just listening to music. Think of it as there's some things here that can admonish me. Let's pay attention to what's being sung. Does that make sense? That's a good thing. Hey, uh, we appreciate having uh, Barth and Debbie here with us. They have been doing some traveling the last two or three days. <laughs> that is sure. Driving all over California and through Arizona. But what I like is being committed to the house of God. You know, visiting the people of God. That's very good. You know, God, uh, what is that one scripture? I'm not quoting it right. But it says God is, is not going to be forgetful to remember those uh things you did out of the labor of love you know because that's really what does it it's a labor of love towards so you'll not lose your reward in that god understands what you have to go through in order to make certain things happen fellowship is a big thing i don't know whether people realize how great fellowship is because that's how the spirit works fellowship of the spirit isn't it that's how it works that's why Jesus says when you have two or three gathered together in my name, fellowship, that's how it works. And it doesn't literally have to be three beings together. It can be three thoughts of God in your world. 
that finally come together and they're concentrating on the things of God. And guess what? He's in the midst. It works the same way. Don't we see images of people, places, and things in our dreams, in our minds, in our thoughts? Yeah, he can be there in the midst of that too because it said, if this mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in who? Christ Jesus. This is something very important to do. So does he work through thoughts and the mind? Yes. In fact, that's the predominant way he works. Thoughts and words are what? They're spirit. People, we, we take it for granted that, oh, yeah, we're just going to talk. We're going to speak. You got to remember there's a spirit to words. There's a spirit to thoughts. Isn't that how the enemy tries to get at us through our thoughts? Are there not spirits to try to intervene in our thoughts and guide us and take us in another way that we don't want to go? There is an enemy. I preached a couple of weeks ago, but there's a reward for the wicked. That's true, isn't it? But there's also a reward for the righteous. So if the righteous thought is there, the reward is going to be things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That makes sense, huh? So what we have to do is continue to think in our mind every time we're thinking. I think we say this to you all the time. Be aware of your thoughts. You know, sometimes we can drift off and go into a thought and very easily there's a deceitful thing that can seep in and, and change our thought. Isn't that true? Because what are we dealing with, guys? Spirits. We're dealing with spirits. A lot of times we try to say our enemy is a person we can see in a body here on this earth. I beg to differ. Even they are being moved by a spirit that causes them to do what they do. It's the spirit you have to take hold of. And so this is why Christ came. I I use this little analogy all the time because it's true. Um, You know, the devil's our enemy, is he not? So I want all of you to go out and grab them right now and bring them right here and, and do away with them. Go grab them. Go grab them. It's not a natural warfare, is it? It's not a physical one, is it? This is a spiritual warfare. If we could do that, by God, I would have done it because <laughs> I don't like how he tries to interfere, but we can't do it that way. So since it's a spirit and it's a very strong spirit to those that have allegiance to that spirit, okay? And so it makes it strong in them because they, they are not using God to oppose it. You see what I'm saying? So what, what do we need to do? Do we need something greater than that spirit and the authority that it has? And what is greater? Jesus Christ. What is greater? The authority of God. All things have been put under him. Haven't? Everything in heaven and earth. Nothing that was created was created without him. He's the power above all. He's the everlasting father the Prince of Peace. We have to understand the power is in him. Uh, And one place in the scripture says, Christ, the wisdom and power of God. Wow. That's what quite a title, isn't it? The wisdom and power of God. So who do we run to? Jesus. Who, Who do we listen to? Jesus. Where the words come from? Jesus. What's the gospel? It's about Jesus. What is the Bible about from beginning to end? It's about Jesus Christ. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the whole Bible is about, believe it or not. All of those things. So we have to keep that in our mind, the important thing about being spiritual. We are spiritual people in an earthly body, right? Our spirit, when, when we leave here, does our spirit not go on? There are people that say, oh yeah, rip, rest in peace. 
I'm going to tell you, that's not what it is. You see it on a lot of gravestones, huh? Uh, we leave here and we go to another place and we start another life. We, we end this one and start another one. And that next one we start is eternal. That should give you pause. Where are you going to spend eternity? Because that's where your spirit is going to be. I, I think that um, sometimes we take for granted being in these bodies that it's always going to be this way. And then we finally start getting older and we say, you know what? It's not going to always be this way. And then changes start happening, huh? And he said, wow, I may have a short time now, you know, but when you're starting to go through it, it seems like it's forever. But it's not. Every man has a taste of death. Every man, every woman will have to taste of it. And then we have to leave there and go into another place. So we're, when you die, you're just starting. I was telling somebody the other day, uh, we knew a person that was very, very bitter. Uh very hateful, and so forth. We thought about it. They, they passed away. How did they enter that next realm? The same way they left, that same evil and that hatred they have, they went right into it. What do you think you reap? Do you think that if, if you don't know God, what do you think you, you reap all of those things that you thought that were so evil in your mind and whatever, and the things you did against others and all of that? Now, you're going from having experienced it here in a manifested flesh, having that mind working like that, to being in a spiritual place and being in a spirit that feels it and sees it always. Did it not say that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire? Yes. So you, you continue in that. So does it behoove us to know Christ? When we leave here, we, we just go into his kingdom. That's what we want to do. We want to be judged by God, not by people. All judgment has been given into the hands of the Son, it says. But, but to be judged by God is being faithful to be able to enter into the kingdom of God. We, we've said things before about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven is what we're experiencing now, guys. The kingdom of heaven leads us to the kingdom of God. So all of these things, you notice how Jesus said a lot of times, uh, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto. Well, we're learning things, aren't we? We're learning things in the kingdom of heaven about Christ so that if we're faithful and we do the things that he has admonished us to do, we will enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where the Father is. It's the celestial. But the kingdom of heaven is how we participate in the things of God within us now so that we can make it to the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of heaven gets us there. Kingdom of heaven is likened to a man. It's a man. It's in a man, isn't it? That's what we do. And we're learning the things of God in that man, in the thoughts, in the mind, so that we can make it to that spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God. You've never heard the difference explained. That's what it's all about. So, yeah, we're in the kingdom of heaven right now. We're doing the things that are required of us in the kingdom of heaven in order to make it to that place. Um, a lot of things have um, been going on with us lately. Man, God has been bringing us into a unity. Isn't that cool? The oneness, the things that have been happening with the pastor's wives, is that cool? That's cool. Claudette spoke to us for a little bit Wednesday night. That was good about peace, huh? About some things concerning peace. I heard Christy uh, on, uh, I think it was Thursday night, she spoke about the uh, book of Ruth. 
again. Seems like that's very important to the women of the book of Ruth, isn't it? The, the main characters are all women till you get to Boaz, you know, who's the relative of King David. But it's talking about how these women came from a certain place and, and the fellowship that was between Ruth and Naomi and brought it all the way in until they are the lineage of who? Jesus Christ. They become part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Very important. I, I think another thing to mention about that, they were in the land of Moab, were the Moabites, right? If you go back and read in the Old Testament, the Moabites were cursed. Anybody remember how the Moabites came to be? How did it happen? Okay, was it Noah's or was it Lot? It was Lot. Lot's daughters, right? And I think it's, I think it's the Ammonites and the Moabites. Isn't the, aren't the two nations that came out of that? Daughters laid with the father and so forth. But catch this, guys. The Moabites were cursed for 10 generations. Not the normal three or four. Remember how the scripture tells us things, curses can happen to the third and fourth generation? Not with the Moabites. They were cursed for 10, 10 generations. And then what? Ruth and Naomi come along. You know, the husbands die and all that stuff, and they go back. And then it comes, becomes part of the lineage of Jesus Christ through Ruth and Naomi. Isn't that cool? So the curse has been broken, huh? That was pretty cool. God does that. He does things like that. So very cool. We're going to... Um, talk to you a little bit from the book of Ephesus today. Good stuff in the book of Ephesus. Um, one of my favorite books. The thing about Ephesus, uh, remember, Paul is, what kind of churches did he establish? Gentile churches, right? He was the apostle to the Gentiles, right? Uh, in case you don't know it, we're in the Gentile dispensation. We are, all of us, right now. And in case you don't know it, you're Gentiles. Because you're not of that, that line of the tribe of Judah. You're, you're not from that tribe of Judah, whatever. You're the ones that have been grafted in through faith. What caused it? Did it have to be uh, a bloodline to do it? Or was it because of faith of Abraham? It was faith that drafted you in and brought you into a place where the Gentile itself can be a part of God. In fact, in the second chapter of Romans, it talks about the Gentile being grafted onto that tree, that same tree that the Jew was, wasn't it? And they become all true Jews if you follow Jesus. Isn't that true? So there were differences made between people for a long time. Isn't that cool? You know that there were differences. We see it even in manifestation here. People make differences between people, don't they? God said, you know what? I concluded all of them under sin so I can save them all. So whether you were Jew or Gentile, whatever, he said, you're all under sin. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. So now what I'm going to do is now I just judge you from that thing, whether you know me or not. It doesn't make any difference. You're not a special person, a special tribe or a special. It's not that. It's everyone that believes in me, everyone that has faith can come in and become part of this body. So the Gentiles were grafted in by faith. And who was the first one that we read so much about? Anybody remember? No, I'm talking about the person, that first Gentile. It's very prominent in the book of Acts. Nobody remembers? Cornelius. 
Remember, Jesus had to give Peter a vision on the, the housetop. Remember that? And he went up there to wait for lunch. He, he was saying, I, I don't want to be in the way. I want that food to get ready. So I'll go up on the rooftop and wait until everything's ready. And when he was up there, God chose that time to meet him and showed him a vision, didn't he? You know, you remember the vision of how the sheet was let down and all the creeping things, four-footed beasts and all that stuff. And God tells Peter, rise, slay and eat. He said, no, Lord. This is one of the times that Peter tells the Lord no three times. Wait, wait, wait. Let me say that again. He tells God no three times. I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. Let's say it again. <laughs> tells God three times. No, Lord. Nay, Lord. Nay. Not going to do it. Uh, Peter, I'm going to show it to you again now. Another, remember, the sheet was let down three times. Nay, Lord, not going to do it. Nay, Lord, not going to do it. He said, so God finally tells him, he says, there's some men at the door. I've sent them. Go with them. And he tells him, don't anything that I've cleaned up, don't you call unclean. So he's trying to get a point across to him because Peter was a Jew and the Jews had no dealings with the Gentiles. Remember that? So he has to convince us because is he the chief apostle? He has to convince him because that's how everything's going to follow afterwards, you know. And so send some men. They're at the door. I want you to go with them. And uh, don't, like I said, don't call what I've cleaned up unclean. And he sent him to Cornelius' house. Now, Peter's still in his mindset a little bit, you know. But he gets there and he starts talking to them. And, and Cornelius tells him the story about how the angel told him to send people to go get him. And then, uh, of course, Peter knows his story from God's side, telling him, yes, go with them. God's working on both ends, isn't he? That's the way God does it. He works on both ends. He doesn't leave you wandering around in the dark. He works on both ends. And when they came together and Peter preached that message and all that, and then the Holy Ghost film, and, and Peter was shocked. He was shocked. Wait a minute. These are Gentiles. And the Holy Ghost has fallen like it did on us on the day of Pentecost. What's going on here? Because he had his mindset about the Gentile. Well, guess what happened? He said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Wow. If you have faith, you believe God, God's going to bring you in. Isn't it good that that enmity was torn down between men? It didn't make any difference who you were, where you came from, or what color you were, whatever it was. God was going to do his thing based on faith. That's how he was going to do it. Not based on what man thinks, based on faith. And it just shocked Peter. Shocked him all the way down to his socks, man. I, I, I have to believe. And then when he had to go back and tell the church about it, he said, oh, we heard you went to the Gentiles. He said, yeah, I did. The Lord told me to go. He said, I heard you, you gave the word to them. Yeah, I did. And I'm one of the ones that said we shouldn't do that. And, and he, he said, well, what happened? And he gave him his testimony. He said, the Holy Ghost fell on him. So what could I do? What could I? <laughs> he had to explain to the council, what could I do? God is no respecter of persons. And that's how he proved it to Peter, didn't he? Didn't Paul have to come along a little later and kind of shore it up a little bit better? And tell no, you still have a little respect in you like that. We gotta break down those walls. And you know, part of the thing that Jesus did when he was on the cross, he slew the enmity between men, between Jew and Gentile. Remember when it talks about that? That's another thing he did on the cross. Remember that lesson I taught you guys on all those operations Jesus did on the cross? That's another one. He slew the enmity. 
Now there's no difference. And God said, well, you're all sinners anyway. So I conclude you all under sin so that I may save you all. That's it. You're all sinners. And here's the thing that people forget. Aren't we all brothers anyway? We're all brothers because don't we all come from those three sons of Noah? Ham, Shem, uh, Sheth, where's it, Shem and Japheth? Aren't we all? We were all brothers. So what made the difference? Religion came in and made a difference. Discrimination came in and made a difference. You see what I mean? All those things started popping up, making differences. God said, I'm no respecter of persons. You were all brothers from the beginning. You were all brothers from the beginning. So it goes back to my thing. I think I've told you guys this. When people start talking to me about certain things, and I, I, had to, I spoke to the elders about this. So there's no such, in me, this is, a, this is my thing, there's no such thing in me as race. You know why? Because we're all part of the same human race. Well, how do I know that? There's a guy, there's even things here in this world you can take some understanding from. Um, the scientists have concluded that all of us, everybody in this whole world, and recently, a couple of weeks ago, they said officially we're past 8 billion people in the world now. Officially, they made an announcement on the news and everything. We're 8 billion people and counting. So what is common to all of us? We all share 98% of the same genomes. The thing, the building blocks that make us human. 98%. That's in everybody. So I can go to the Ku Klux Klan leader in Mississippi and pull his hood off of him and look at him and say, I have the same 98% genomes that you have. And if you have heart problems and I die and they can use my heart, they can put my heart in you, bro. And it'll continue to beat and the blood will work. Wow. Isn't that cool? Because we share 98% of the same genomes. You know what the other 2% are? Ethnicities and cultures. Which divides people so greatly. It's amazing. Isn't that true? But we share it all. Why am I saying these things? I'll show you why. This is amazing. Uh, Christ always talks about, and he's let us know, that there is a body that we're in. We're in the body of Christ. Okay? So, the, the thing that's important for us to understand is that if we're in this body, we're all members in particular, even the members that we say that are less honorable. People say, well, I want to be the eye, and I want to be the tongue, I wanna, because they think those are greater things. I want to be the brain, because that's greater. But what if God makes you the pinky toe? You know, you don't think that's great, huh? It, every member of the body performs a function. If you want to think about it this way, every member performs a function. You try living without that member and see how well you do. It's hard to walk the same way when you have a toe cut off. You, you see what I'm saying? You, you can overcome it. You can learn how to do it, but there's still something missing there that causes you some difficulty. You see how this works? So, this is what God is telling us. Every part. And he said in the less honorable parts, he gave more honor to. So the things that you think of, ooh, I wouldn't want to be that. He says, I'm going to give more honor to that part because it has to 
It's a member in particular to perform a function in the body of Christ. We may think it's less honorable, but God says anything you think is less honorable, I'm going to give it more honor. Isn't that cool? So the pinky toe may have more honor than that eye you were so enthralled with. You see how that works? Because God gives it more honor, he says, because he knows how it could be despised by the mind of man. And what did God say about his body? Is there going to be any schism in the body? He's not going to allow it. He won't allow it. That there cannot be evil or wickedness in the body of Christ. A schism, a difference, a respect. It, it can't. It can't be there. So God changed this thing. He made a big time thing. You are now members of the body of Christ and members in particular. You have a particular job. You have a particular service. You have a particular function within that body. And the body does not work well without you. You are integral to that part. You are part of the body of Christ, and all of it must work together in fellowship for it to produce what it needs to produce. Isn't that true? Very cool thing. So let's read this. So he talked about, uh, I'll say this, uh, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So the head of the body is who? Is Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. The effectual working of the measure of every part. Every part is supposed to work efficiently, isn't it? Every part. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So the body increases and you can edify yourself in love because you're part of the body of Christ and that's what he does. He loves to the edifying of yourself in love. Whose love? In Christ's love. Okay, so that's how this starts off for this thing here. This is the part I wanted to get to. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. I'm going to stop there because it goes through some more. <laughs> I'll, I'll go to that next. Look at what he's describing as a Gentile. Look how he describes him. He doesn't want you walking in the vanity of your mind anymore. What you think is the top thing. You know, what your mind thinks has got to be right. It's got to be good. It's, gotta, it's you. It's what I think. That's good. And you know what God's trying to do? He's trying to get us to switch from our mind to his. Because it's not good when we, have, we use our own mind. So walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them. Hey, um, do we have our microphone out? Uh, somebody get me uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. You notice how he said darkened? Having the understanding darkened. Remember, we talked about the vanity of the mind, right? It's the mind that's the problem, the vanity. So what does 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 say? In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So the God of this world blinds what? Well, we instantly think eyes, don't we? That's not what it says. It says it blinds the mind. Where do you think the darkness comes from? It's the blinding of the mind. Having the understanding darkened. 
and being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them. So ignorance means you don't have understanding. So you get the understanding of God, are you no, or you continue to be ignorant? No, this is what we need, the wisdom and understanding of God. Why do you think God said this is so important? Somebody said, well, I want the power of God. You know what the power of God is? If you understand and have wisdom. <laughs> That's where your power comes from. If you understand it the way God wants you to understand it, don't you have power? If you have the wisdom, doesn't it say wisdom is the principal thing? So you have wisdom and understanding, you have power with God. Just in case you didn't realize that. So the more we get in God, the more you listen to this gospel. What does it say? It tells us that if you listen to this, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the what? Word of God. So the more this you hear, the more faith can be built in you. Just hearing it. Hearing it in understanding is even better. Hearing it in wisdom is even better, isn't it? So as you hear this, as you hear the gospel being preached, is your faith being built? Yes. People say, how do you build faith? Listen to the gospel. Believe the gospel. Understand the gospel. You will have your faith built. Through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Wow who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Lasciviousness, you read that, that's a funny word in the Bible. You see it several times. It's an exceeding great lust. Lasciviousness. It's a greediness of lust. It's a lust that knows no bounds. It continues to want, it lusts after something, and then when it gets it, it wants to lust more. It wants to go to the depths of lust and desire. That's lasciviousness. If a person is hung up in lasciviousness, they keep getting worse and worse in the lust they're in. Lust for power. Lust to be seen of men. You know how that works? Lust for, you know, sexual things maybe. Lust for power. Have you ever seen somebody that's had a lust for power? You know, it, it's amazing. And, and then they go on and on and on, and they get worse and worse as time goes on. Oh, we know some real big ones in time. I, I think there's a man called Hitler that lusted for power. <laughs> Isn't that true? Is there a man called Pol Pot that lusted for power and killed a million of his own people? Hmm, power. That's just a manifestation here. Think about what that spirit's doing here. <sighs> Stalin killed 20 million of his own people his own people, even some of his own relatives when he was in charge of Russia, 20 million people because he was afraid of losing power. When he died, he lost it. <laughs> See how it works? You think you're going to hold on to things. You think you're going to hold on to that power? Lasciviousness is one of the worst things we have to deal with because it's lust built on lust built on lust. So do you have to get a handle on something like that? <laughs> yeah, you have to. Because if you don't, it will take you to the depths of hell. The strange woman will guide you to a death because they, it pulls on that lust, on that lasciviousness that works in your members. Who gives that to you? Who tries to keep giving you thoughts like that? The man of sin. You see how great this enemy is that we have? This man of sin continues to try to do that to you. He's always trying to slip in something seductive 
or deceitful to change your thought from the thought of God to the thought of the man of sin, to the thought of your flesh, to the thought of that, of that which is carnal. Isn't that the battle? It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal because we're going to have to fight this with something that's not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Do you know that that lasciviousness creates strongholds in you? There are things that you just hold on to and you seem like you got the can't help it. I can't help it. I got to do it. I got to do it. You got to get past that because if you don't, you're not going to be saved. You got to be able to let God come in and reveal these things to you. Oh, no, we're fearful. We don't want nobody to know it. I tell you what, you better let Jesus know it. You better let those that are over you know it so they can pray for you and intervene and give you the word of God for you to overcome. So that spirit can be locked up the way it needs to be locked up and not being able to perform. Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So what he's telling you is tribulation is nothing more than trouble. So when you have trouble, who do you have to hold on to? You have to call to Jesus. Call on Jesus. He will answer prayer. We used to have a song like that, didn't we, Ma? Call on Jesus. He will answer prayer. It means more to me now than it did back when I used to sing it. I call on Jesus. He will answer prayer. And God's been answering a lot of our prayers within this body lately. I know he's answered some personally for us. We prayed it. Jesus did it. It's as simple as that. You know what? In religion, it didn't happen that way. I'm just telling you right now. And, and it discouraged a lot of people in religion. They said, well, I prayed and I prayed like the pastor said, and nothing's coming to pass. Well, you know why? Because you're praying amiss. And, and you know what else? You're not learning the truth. And you know what else? You're being fooled into thinking you're serving God when you're not serving God. That's what religion's all about. Very powerful, huh? So this says, who being past feeling, listen to the, the sentence, who being past feeling, wait, wait, wait. What happens when you go past feeling? What happens when your conscience is seared and you don't feel anything anymore? Pretty bad state, huh, Barth? That's a pretty bad state. That's why you can see things, even the manifestation here, oh, yeah, I, I can be a serial murderer and kill 300 people. Don't think anything about it. You're seared in your conscience. Past feeling, it says, Jacob, you don't feel anything anymore. You're past feeling. Can that show you the depths of how bad you can get? Yeah. What, what he's talking, Paul is talking about here are the things that can ruin us, pull us away from God if we allow them to stay in our heart. Isn't that true? That's why I said we have learned Christ, because I'm going to come to that in just a second here. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Everything that's unclean, you're greedy for it. If it's unclean, bad, evil, you're greedy for it. Gosh, what a state for a person to be in. You don't want to be that way, do you? Constantly going to the depths of hell to satisfy what? Yourself? To satisfy your flesh? Remember, the flesh profiteth nothing. It's the spirit that does the work. Wow. Wow. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is. Flesh causes us a lot of problems, doesn't it? We have lusts in our members, in our flesh, don't we? This is what that thing is working on in you. I'm just warning you that these are the things we have to be careful of. Because you can get hooked and you say, oh, well, that's not too bad. 
who's judging that it's not too bad? And then next time you find yourself in a different level, you say, well, I, I can still handle this. Okay. And then you find yourself in the level where you say, help me, Lord, I'm in hell. Because you've gone down lower. You see how it works? Doesn't the scripture say there's a thing called lowest hell? So there must be levels above that. But can you go to the lowest hell? Yes, you can. Right here, living where you're living right now. You can go to the lowest hell, Sessie. The lowest. There are divisions of hell. If you didn't know that, you know it now. And you can go through those divisions and get to the lowest. And you don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. Powerful. But here's the part I love. He talks about all of these things, how they could get us if we don't pay attention, all of that. Then he says this. But ye have not so learned Christ. Oh, man, I love that sentence after reading all that other mess. (laughs) I love it because he said, ye have not so learned Christ. We haven't learned Christ that way, have we? And it says this, if so be that ye have heard him, any of you hear him? Uh Uh-huh. And have been taught by him. Are you being taught right now? Be taught of him as the truth is in Jesus. That's what it says. Woo! We should be raising our hands and saying, Lord, thank you. You're going to keep us from all of that stuff. Because it's very easy for us to be swung that way if we're not paying attention to God. Isn't it true? Wow. I'll read that part again. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, that's not speaking, that's lifestyle. You put off the former lifestyle concerning the, uh, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. So that old man is in us, huh? That tries to bring us to all those things. Do you realize that when Christ died on the cross, he crucified that old man? How do we know that? Isn't it chapter 6 of Romans? Our old man is crucified with him. Go back and read it. Oh, man, another thing that makes me happy. Because <laughs> he crucified the old man. 6 of Romans tells you. So what else did he do on that cross? Man, he did so many things on that cross. Redemption, reconciliation, forgiveness of sins, crucifying the old man, slaying the enmity between us and others. What else? Other operations he did. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. The love that was manifested. Wow. Condemnation gone. Look what he did on that cross. Many operations. Former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. So that tells you they're going to come in sly. They're not going to come in. I take telling people all the time, the devil, you know how people show the devil as a character, caricature in this world? If he had two horns and a tail and a pitchfork dressed all in red, you would know who he was. That's not how he comes. He comes as something pretty. Or something looking good. Or something to be desired. That's how he comes. That's why it says deceitful lust. Ooh, that's good. No, that's evil. (laughs) You just got deceived into thinking it was good. Oh, that's good. No, that's not good. That's evil. But it looks good to me. That's true. It's deceitful lust. It's deceiving you to follow it. What do you think that strange woman is like? How does it describe her? 
She comes out and, and the young man that's standing on the corner, she kisses him, has an impudent face, it says. She knows what she's doing. And she said, the master's gone on a far journey. You liar, he's right there. But, but the master's gone on a far journey. Come, come take our fill of love till the morning. Come, I deck my bed with tapestries and I put perfumes on it. Come on, be with me. And he doesn't know that he's being led to the slaughter because the ways of her are death and hell. That's what the strange woman is for. Hmm. And the strange woman works in men and women because she can make her appearance whatever she needs to do to pull you. Might be a nice looking man in your thought. Or it might be a nice looking woman. Or it might be something other. <laughs> but still, it can pull you. It's very powerful. Be renewed. Now, he talks about the deceitful lust from the old man. Now, look at this. Here's the other thing. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Didn't I tell you it was a mind battle? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed. You had an old one with the old man. Now let's be renewed. Let's have a new one that doesn't take us into lasciviousness or deceitful lust or seductions. We've got to have a new one, a new mind. And then you become a new man. You see how that works? And that you put on the new man after which God is created in righteousness and what? True holiness. That's what God wants to do for you. Put on the new man. Who's offering you the new man? Jesus is. Put on the new man. How's he doing it? Through your mind. Change your mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The spirit of your mind being changed. This is what he's saying. It's all thought. Thoughts and words are spirit. That's what he's doing. So, and let me read this last one again. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wow, that's pretty cool, huh? But men say that's impossible. It's impossible that I have to change. I've been doing this all my life. I, I, I don't think I can change from doing this. Well, you can't. But with Christ, you can. See how that works? Now, I'm going to say this again. We've got 8 billion people in the world now, officially, huh? How many thoughts do you think you have in your mind, in your world? Same. If, if the natural is 8 billion, you know what you got in your world that's inside of you. You got that too. You say, oh, that's overwhelming. Not to Jesus. Not to Jesus. What does it say? One could put one, a thousand to flight? What does two do? 10,000. So it doesn't go linear. It's exponential, isn't it? So if it's one, you put a thousand to flight. Two, 10,000. Well, let's keep going. Three, four, five, six, seven. After a while, you're putting billions away, aren't you? And it's all through Jesus Christ. Wow. So don't be overwhelmed with what we have to go through or what this thing is doing to you. G uh, I think it was David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Who's the rock, guys? It's Christ. That rock that fallen in the desert? Who was it? Christ. The rock that they smoked for water? Christ. See how it is? It's him. He was there. Pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. Who do you think that was? Christ. Or we can say the angel of the Lord even because isn't he the chief angel? Yeah, he is. So this is what God did. He's willing to lead you if you let him. So we have learned 
Christ. I'm, I'm speaking to us as being positive. We have learned Christ. It's not that we have to stick with that old man or stick with the lasciviousness or the lust. We're, we have learned Christ. And by learning him, guess what God has done? He's made us a new man. He's changed us. Aren't you changed from what you were 10, 15, 20 years ago? Most definitely. You wouldn't want to have known me then. <laughs> but now, good, good. Has he changed me? Yeah, he's changed me. Is he still changing me? Will he continue to change me? That's what it's going to be. That's a cool thing, isn't it? Anybody got any questions for me about anything I said? I love stuff like this. God opens your understanding, then you just move into it. Then you walk out and say, I learned something more about this. Devil, <laughs> you're on the way out. You don't have no hold on me. The only hold he can have on you is sin. So if you're not a practicer of sin, or if you happen to fall into sin, let's get rid of that, then he has no more hold on you, period. Let's do away with him. Let's do away with his influence. Every time you do the things of God, you are opposing the devil. Does that make sense? Let's, let's do the things of God so we can oppose the devil. So we can kind of smash him down. Let's put our heel on his head. That's what we want to do, right? That's what we want to do. He knows he has but a short time. So let's make it shorter. Let's see what he can do to make it shorter in our world. Isn't that true? All right, guys, I'm done. If there's no questions or comments, anybody got a comment? Yeah. And when did Jesus do that? When did he put his heel on his head? On the cross. Once he won the victory of the cross and resurrected again, he smashed that head. He did. You just have to partake of that. You have to believe it and partake of it. He's already won the victory. Are our sins forgiven? He's already done it. So now we have to walk in that. We have learned Christ. We have to walk in that and believe it. Once we believe it, it's done. Does that make sense? Good stuff, guys. Love you.